been a barber for 25 years. Every time that I see a smile, every time that I see them like hype, like like happy, it's, it's, it's something they, they, they fulfill myself. I was home for college and my hair was a wreck. So I asked my brother where he goes to get his cut. Told me he's gotta come see his boy Juan. And you know, it was like the freshest fade ever. So better believe I kept coming back. Don't tell Leo how Venmo now. Yeah. You got Venmo? Oh, yeah. Well, I never had to stop and get cash out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. First time I probably invited Juan to church would have been that um, break from Bible college. So I was, you know, probably at this point about five years ago. When he was, when he was coming to the shop, he bring his friend, his friend's name is Mark. But when Mark, le he left to the army, his brother, he bring his brother. And uh, Ezra started talking to me about church too. And it's funny because he was young, so I didn't even like, I didn't even care why he, he was talking. But a while later, Jane came with one of my friends, one of my customers. When he was in a chair, I don't know why I asked this question for him. It was like God put me in my, in my mind, asked him, do you believe in the Lord? And it was funny because it came from nowhere. I didn't even know him. It was the first time that he sat down in a chair. He started talking to me about church. He, he, he was the one that started talking to me about true Lord. For me, it was, it was like a normal conversation until Ezra came one day and he told me that Louis was giving my number. And when I tell him, oh, you you're still talking to Louis? He said, yeah, I go to his church. And when, when I tell him, like, what, what the name of that shirt? He say, True North. But when, 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 that, when that clicked in my mind, I was like, you know what? Like, this is something that the Lord put me in myself, so I'm I just going to go. But now that I'm being going over there months, I can, I can look to, to, to my life. I can look to myself. And if I'm being honest, I ain't, even, I ain't even the same person that I was like three, three four months ago. And now I look at myself and I'm like, wow, you know, like being like, I got more energy and more, more life in myself. I feel like I want to live more. How is this possible? You know what I mean? That change. And um, I just say, just, just the Lord, just the Lord. I'm Jay. Uh, I've been coming to one for like, I want to say like three, three months right now. Hi, I'm Ezra. And, uh, one for my barber for over three years. I was like going to a wedding or something. I was like, my like regular barber was not answering. And I was like, what, what do I do? Like, I need a cut. So I was like, Jewel, like, what's Juan's number? So I texted Juan, came here, um, sat down, and he was like, yo, you know the Lord? I was like, funny you ask. <laughs> I go to a great church. These, these guys, they go to the same place. I always see them happy. I always see them with a good smile. You know, I just, I just want that right. for myself. You know what I mean? And that, that was the moment that I was like, you know what? Like, I need to give it a shot to this place. I need to go there. And I think a lot of people brush things off as coincidence when I think the Lord's trying to put people in your path, um, you know, for the same reason. And they think, oh, you know, that's just a coincidence. You know, all these guys go to the same church. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I yeah. think for a lot of people, they miss the opportunity to um, be that second or third seed that's planted because I didn't know, yeah. you know, Jay and Ezra were, you know, planting those same seeds for, you know, months yeah. or years. 
It's like, it's not our job. Like one, I said it, once they get in the house, it's, it's his job. Like, That's well, real. I just need to get them there, That's and good. then Jesus will handle the rest. So um, just planting little seeds like day by day. I'm very grateful with you guys. The, the way that I see you guys is like, it's like you're my brothers, yeah. you know? And, um, and I'm so happy, you know what I mean? If, if why it wasn't for you guys, I, I couldn't be lost right now, you know? But I don't. I feel good. I feel good, and it just, it just cries in myself. Mm. If it wasn't for you, our hair would not look as precious. Maybe not yours right now. Man, it's good to be in God's house. And then, come on, let's give God some praise. It's good to be in this house. <laughs> hey, True North, welcome to church and uh, everyone who's here for the first time. Welcome. We're so glad that you're with us tonight. And uh, man, what an awesome story. Uh, Juan's story is a powerful story. And the truth is, there are a lot of stories just like Juan's in the church that we don't have that privilege to actually hear. But it's so cool to watch what God does with the obedience of the simple obedience of people to invite someone, the power of an invitation. I don't. I don't know where or how, but somewhere along our journey, for many of us, a simple invitation doesn't seem that significant. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's the enemy's deception or if it's his tactics to see something so simple as insignificant. And so we go through our daily lives not understanding that sometimes it's just a simple conversation. It's just a simple invitation to someone to say, hey, you should come to my church. And I love, uh, and I didn't notice that um, in the way that I did, and it's like the fourth or fifth time I saw it, and every time I watch that video, it's so impactful to me. Um, but you know that Paul commissions Timothy as a young leader, and he says, um, don't let people despise you because of your youth, or don't let people look down upon you for your youth. And I just love how, how God used Ezra as, a, as the youngest of the three to be the one to plant the first seed. And you know what? The truth is, I told, I, told, I told Juan that the truth is I'm glad that he said that when Ezra said that to me, I didn't think anything of it. Because you know what? Often people don't, don't see the significance in what young people do until it starts to stay with them. And, and sometimes it's, it's usually the young that plant the first seed because the passion's overflowing in their life. And even though it doesn't seem like it's going to take root, I'm telling you when people are faithful and obedient, after them it, it yields something of significance now i can tell you i can tell you this that 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 ezra and and luis and 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 jay they might not have even realized what they were doing in the midst they're just simply being obedient to god and inviting people to church but but sometimes we don't understand the consequences of our simple obedience and i love the fact that you would know this if i didn't tell you but what God has been able to do through one and just that in this short period of time that two of those, uh, two of the barbers that he works with um, were in church just this morning um, on Sunday and having an invitation, which is so awesome. Now I can tell you that the people that, that, that Ezra and the group that, that planted this season, Luis and Jay, like they, they didn't even know the names of the other guys. But see, so this is what you need to know. You, you may never meet the people that are impacted by your simple obedience. You may never see them. You may never know them. I just believe that when we are in eternity with God and we're walking the streets of gold and we're in, 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 in our Father's house, that we're going to be greeted by thousands of people 
who are just going to be saying thank you. Thank you. And you're just like, for what? Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for, you know, this past week I wrote a letter to someone who was, um, who was instrumental in my early development as a young leader. And I don't want people to take, I don't want to take for granted the people that God's placed in my journey. And, and so I penned a simple letter just saying, hey, I just want you to know that I'm grateful for you. That I'm grateful that you were obedient to God and that you kind of forged your way. And because of that, um, God has done something in my heart and in my life. And out of the fruit, of, there's, there's fruit out of your obedience. And you know, we may not have the opportunity to say thank you to everyone that we've impacted because of our obedience. But man, it's so awesome when we get to see a glimpse of what our obedience produces. Amen? Such an awesome thing. Hey, I wanted to remind you tonight that um, today was the launch day for our Collingswood campus. And there were nearly 180 people present at this service, which was tremendous. And uh, what an amazing start um, on a rainy, 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 rainy day. Um, but what an amazing start um, for this new location. Just believing that we're going to reach thousands of people in that area for Jesus. Amen. And uh, as, we, as we come into this series, my heart for you um, would not only be able, not, would not be for you to seek Jesus more clearly, although that's a primary desire of mine, but maybe to have a greater recognition and appreciation for the gifts you've already received from Him. Do you know, I realize that when I find quiet time in the morning to be alone with God and I sit there with my, with my Bible, I, I, I start to pray and I find my prayers um, becoming repetitive. Not, not religious in that sense, but repetitive in the sense of just being thankful. And so I start my, my prayer time with God just saying thank you and just letting him know that I am incredibly grateful for everything you've blessed me with. And then about 15 minutes goes by and I say, maybe I should pray for other people who need it in my world. Um, but I just am overwhelmed and I feel like at times I can just pray for hours and just saying, God, I thank you for this and I thank you for that. And I love to teach my children that. I love to have people around me and say, hey, let's, let's live with gratitude. Let's live with a spirit of thankfulness. Do you know, that is, that is something I believe um, is embedded into the heart and the culture of this house, is that we're grateful, not only for what God has done, but for who sits next to us. And I'll tell you what, when you can be grateful for who God's placed around you, you found a friend. You found a friend. And friends today are seldom and few because we have lost what it really means to find a friend. And a friend is someone who stands with you in the midst of turmoil and frustration. A friend is someone who says, hey, you got crap all over your face. <laughs> hey, you got something right here in your nose. Get, take care of that. A friend is someone like who actually um, loves you enough to be honest with you. Do you know? I, I realized that I thought people were my friend. And then at the end of lunch, I'm like, dude, has that been on my face the entire time? And they're like, well, I mean, I just didn't want to say. You're not my friend. You know what I mean? Um, but friends really look out for you. They're like, hey, you know, there's toilet paper, paper stuck to the bottom of your shoe. Like, deal with that. Hurry up, you know. Your fly's down. Fix that. I'm serious. The friends are the people in your world that aren't trying to make, embarrass you, but they love you enough to kind of like almost protect you from the embarrassment of other people. This is real friends. And I, I'm just grateful that, that this house has a spirit of gratitude and that we're grateful for one another. And I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is that if we're, if we're not grateful for one another, it's going to be hard for us to appreciate what God gives us. 
I always tell my daughters, like, when they're appreciative of stuff, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an eight thing from parenting, but I know that God probably operates the same way. It's hard to bless children who are ungrateful for what they already have. Like, it's hard for, 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 for a parent to say, you know what, I'm going to just keep giving you more. And they're like, is that all? And Levi's two. And every time I give him a minute, he's like, two. Two mints, Dad. Two mints. And so I'm like, son, how about you be happy for one? And he goes, two mints. So I give him one minute. He goes, two mints. I say, give me the one mint. You're done. And he goes, no, one mint. One mint. You know, and then I say, okay, be thankful for one mint, you know. And it's like teaching this, this spirit of just being grateful for what you got. Can you say amen? And um, I don't know why I said that, but I do know, um, I, no, I do know that it's coming from a place of being grateful for what we've already received. And I'm telling you what, if you miss that, I think the most profound passage of Scripture is when Jesus heals the man who's by the pool. And he not only heals the man, but he says, stand up and take your mat with you. And I've heard that message preached a thousand times, and I've heard it all different ways, but there's something so profound. I remember reading it on the, on the couch the one night, and I just kept staring at it. I remember looking at the wall. Why? Like, why, why, why take the mat? Do you know there's no, there's no silly questions to ask God when you're reading His Word? Um, and so I remember saying, why the mat, why the mat? And it's as if there is... There is power in recalling the faithfulness of what God has already done in your life. And all of you are going to be faced in a season of your life to say to God, where are you? And I'm telling you, He's with you on the mountaintops and He's with you in the valleys. But if you won't recognize Him on the mountaintops, you won't recognize Him in the valleys. And I need some of you to know that, that this God that, that loves us so much wants to walk with us in all seasons. In all seasons. And so I think we need to be a people that are grateful for what he's already given us. I was thinking about the gifts that I've received. And some of the most significant gifts that I've ever received are gifts that, that cost a lot. Um, they, they cost a lot of money because I couldn't afford to purchase them on my own. And so if someone bought me, you know, a, a laptop or someone... Um, helped purchase a dirt bike when I was younger or whatever the purchase was whether it was helping me buy my first car like I was very grateful for those gifts because I couldn't afford them on my own so it usually had to do with what it cost but then also it had to do with what the other person had to give up in order to to give it to me so they're the sentimental ones right they're the ones where you're like gosh you, you wrote a poem you know what I mean uh, Pastor John wrote uh, uh, Pastor Katie like this novel um, what was it for, Pastor John? Was it for, um, it was for Christmas. And I remember um, my sister's response was like, oh my gosh, this person has the same name as you. And uh, <laughs> so embarrassing, remember that? And he's like, it's because it is me. I wrote the novel. And she's like, when did you write a novel? You know what I mean? And it's like, wow, these are the two different types of gifts. Ones that cost someone monetary, right? And the other ones that you're like, wow, that cost you something. It costs you a lot of time and, and effort and intentionality. And do you remember those gifts? Do you know what I mean? They're significant. Like, my sister doesn't read. Um, it's not a surprise. That would, th listen, I'll tell you right, there's, there's two books that she would probably upset if you burned. And it, one of them would be the Bible. The other one would be the book that John gave to her. Every other book in her house she could burn. She'd be like, whatever. You know what I mean? She probably wouldn't care. Why? Because there's meaning to it. 
There's meaning to it. There's significance to it. She would probably fight you if you tried to burn that book that John wrote for her because it, it means something. And you know, each one of us have gifts, gifts in our world that mean something to us. They're, they're significant to us. And I, I can tell you one thing, w- without even knowing you and without even knowing the gifts that you've received, I know for a fact that, that, that no one has died to give you a gift. That no one bled and died on a cross other than Christ to give you something. And I don't know, I don't know how this escapes us. I don't know if it's because I've only seen the passion once. Has anyone seen the passion? I've only seen it once and it still scars my mind to, to just think of the, of the intensity of going up the Via Della Rosa and going up the, where Jesus carried the cross to Golgotha and the intensity of him being bruised and to watch it and to know it was for me. Like, I don't care if, if you're... It's nearly impossible to hold back tears and to watch that when it's personal. So I don't know where or how, but somehow this gift of salvation, of eternity, this gift that Christ has given to humanity somehow escapes us. It, it, it's almost if it's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I, my, my daughter is a harper. She loves to paint. And she doesn't just like to work on one portrait, okay? She'll have like 12. I'm not kidding you, going at once. And so it's like, no, don't touch that. That's the bird and the nest and the eggs, okay? And what's it? Don't touch that. That's the rainbow. Okay, I'm not touching anything, honey. What are you doing? She goes, I'm not done that one. I have to finish the egg on that one. I'm not done this one. And she has all these things. And so, like, I got to be honest, like, when she would give me one, I was like, oh, I would be so excited. And I would, like, I would save the one. And then every day I started to get a dozen, two dozen, three dozen. So I had to be honest. Like, so now they're not as, like, (laughs) I'm like, throw them out. You know what I mean? Like, Life's like, just don't let her see you throw them out. I'm like, honey, there's, I'm, I kid you not when I tell you this, there's hundreds of uh, water paintings in our drawers, and there's tons of them. And it's, I don't know, I don't know if it's because it's become common to me that it's because it's not significant anymore, but I don't know why. And, and I guess my heart for you tonight is this, is that what you've received is not common. It's not common. This salvation is not common. It's not something ordinary. It's not something that you just say, well, I've received Jesus. It's as if we've turned it into, I'm just not going to burn in hell. This is not why Jesus went to the cross. And you know it says in Scripture that some of us will stand before Christ and he says, depart from me, I've never known you. And that people, he will say, no, we've cast out demons in your name. He says, depart from me, I've never knew you. And I remember looking at that saying, oh, God, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be that person who gets before God and says, apart from me, I've never known you. You know why? Because I don't think there's this, there's this, trust me, I tried it for years of like pretending I'm all in with God and then showing up to church. Like there's no intermediate in it. And it's hard because all of us are on a journey. And gosh, God is one of the greatest characteristics of your heavenly father who loves you so much is his patience towards you. Like, you could be the most faithless, arrogant, prideful person in the, on the planet. And he said, I still sent my son to die for you. And to think about that and to fathom that and to understand it and comprehend it is, is really something beyond us. But yet he still does it. He still loves us. 
And for us, how do we carry this gift? I guess tonight, I just want you to, I want to ask you some questions like, how do you carry this gift? How much do you value the gift that you've received from Christ? Do you know the Apostle Paul would say that to be absent in the body is to be present with God? And he would say, you know, if, if we have to be present in the body, that means we're apart from God. But man, I'd really like to be with God right now. And so he goes, but while I'm here, I'm a slave to Christ. I'm not my own. I've been, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so whatever the Father's will is for me to, go, to do, I will do. And I remember reading through the text, and as Paul was getting ready to go into this area and to that area, people would say, Paul, don't go. They tried to bind him at one point and say, don't go that way. But Paul says, I'm compelled to. The Holy Spirit is compelling me to be obedient to God. And he says, there's one thing I'm assured of that's before me. And it wasn't like a Starbucks. It was like one thing that's before me is pain. But I go anyway for the cause of Christ. And I suppose for us today, like how do we navigate our life with Christ today in this century, in this, in this decade, at this time, in this hour? Like what, how do we reflect Christ? How do we carry his presence with us? How do, we, how do we usher his goodness and his mercy into the places that we abide and we work in and the people that we're around? I don't know about you, but I, I understand one thing. Like, I just want more of Jesus, not to just... Can you... I thought about this tonight. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, man, you're good at whatever you do? Have you ever had that? If you haven't, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> does that mean... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm one of eight, so that happens all the time. Like, you're terrible at that. Don't do that. Um, one of the things I've noticed about God is we wonder if we're good at things and other people see it before we do. You ever watch someone who's really gifted and they're like, man, I wonder if I'm really good at that? And you're like, what are you talking about? Sometimes I think what God does is he allows you to see the fruit more than you can see your own gifting. And because... The reason being is there's a byproduct to that. There's a, a prerequisite to see the fruit, and it's the obedience. And sometimes when you're obedient, you may not even recognize your giftedness in it, but you'll begin to see the fruit around you. And you'll start to wonder, wow, am I, am I really this good? Let me just help you. You're not apart from God. But with him, you'll do exceeding things for him. You'll do things far beyond you ever thought, you, you, a, a, things that you never could have imagined. You'll begin to see God do in and through your life. And how is just being obedient to God? And I, I, this journey has been, um, I had a hanky. I don't know what I did with it. Brian, did you take it? I'm sorry, I would never do this in another service. I just don't want to like, look, thank you. Is this your personal one? Is it used? <laughs> it's not used, is it, Mike? I'll use it too. Okay, praise. I remember one time I was getting ready to speak, and I was like, Dad, I need a hanky. I was like, is it used? He's like, I was like, he's like, ah, it's not a big deal. Just fold it. I fold it. I was like, ah, I can't fold it, you know. <laughs> Only with your father. I'm sorry. Um, I hope you're getting something out of this. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And I, I, 
I, I think we need to reevaluate how we see God using us. I think we need to reevaluate. Do you know you want to grow a church and you want more people to come until more people come? <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that? Someone told us that. And we were like 30 people as a church. And we're like, no, we need people, okay? Everyone here is family and it's annoying. We need more people, like, you know. And then more people come. And then you realize something, like people are broken. They're hurting. Um, their marriages aren't perfect. They're, they're, it, they deal with addictions. They deal with financial discords. They're young in the Lord. They don't understand how to walk in the Spirit, and they're constantly distracted by different things. And we're dealing with our own stuff. And so God begins to just send more and more people. And you know what you realize as soon as this happens? As soon as this happens, oh, God, I need you. Like, God, I really need you right now. Um, I was a few months into my marriage, and I'm like, man, I got this. <laughs> and like, God, I need you right now. And, you know, a few minutes into having my, my first child, and I'm like, oh, God, I need you right now. And it's recognizing that, that there are very few things that we can accomplish on, your own, on our own, and I would venture to say there might not be one thing that we can accomplish well on our own apart from God. We need Him not only to guide us and direct us, but to know that He is ultimately the architect and the orchestrator and the mastermind, if you would, of, of developing us in a greater way to sustain the things that are before us. I preached messages before, and I would say things like this. I would say, be easily um, interrupted, easily um, inconvenienced, or things like that. I said, don't worry about being interrupted. If you're being interrupted, that means that, you know, God's using you. And I'd say things to allow the hearer to better understand the fact that usually when, when the Holy Spirit asks you to do something, it's an awkward and inconvenient time. And it doesn't always seem like, oh, really? Um, how about next week? You know what I mean? We always start to argue. And I've realized a few things, right? When, God, when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something. One, I'm supposed to be a conduit of Christ, an ambassador of Christ, which means I represent Jesus, I, the Word of God says that I am Christ here on earth. And so that when I hear from the Holy Spirit and He says, hey, tell that person that Jesus loves them. And, and, and then I, typically, this is my response, and I don't know if you deal with the same natural tendencies that I do, but I make the situation which should be all about them, all about me. Now this is interesting because you and I are supposed to be a conduit of Christ, meaning that Christ is supposed to use us, speak through us, um, show love through us, grace, mercy, joy, all of that show is supposed to be uh, displayed through us, and then all of a sudden somehow it is reverted, and our conversation is no longer about the person that God wants to reach. The conversation now becomes about us and our insecurities about why we can't do it. <laughs> so he's like, hey, I want you to talk to the person. like, oh, okay, God, it's rush hour, and, there's, you know, and it's busy, and I don't have time to make a phone call to that person. You know what I mean? I can call someone else, but hey, God, I don't know if now is the right time. I, I don't know if I have the number. It's awkward. It's busy. It's all these things. And it all reverts back to me. And I realize that my excuses are nothing more than insecurities that I need to get over in order to live a life that is led by faith. Do you know, we, need, we don't need any supernatural power if we don't live a life of faith. I don't need any. I don't need any supernatural power to live a life Without, we, 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 when you step out by faith, it's, it's literally just saying, God, I hope there's a step. And you just go for it. And it's in that moment of saying, I'm going to say this to that person. I'm going to tell them that Christ loves them. 
And someone came up to me at the end of one of the services this morning and says, hey, I've, I've recognized that God has given me the ability to connect with people. I just don't know what to say to people. And I said, well, what do you say? He's like, nothing. I was like, well, the Holy Spirit don't need to show up if you don't say anything. <laughs> it's like when you go up to someone, you say, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, and they're like, I'm okay. The Holy Spirit will kick in. Why? Because I believe you know, with all my heart that it is a response of faith that initiates the Holy Spirit to show up in the situation. And all of a sudden you say something and you're thinking in your mind, oh, that was good. Where did that come from? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. But that wasn't me. That was awesome. And uh, sometimes you'll say things and you'll be like, man, I didn't even know I remembered that verse. I think I misquoted it, but it was, sounded really good. And it's, I'm telling you, the, the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the moment of need for these conversations. But it requires something of us. The Holy Spirit don't need to empower you for anything if you're not stepping out by faith. And you know what the enemy does? He, 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 he prevents the initiation from even happening. Because it, when someone is lost and broken, and see, this is where God really convicted me in this whole conversation, is that I've, I've, I've prevented myself from being used by God because of the insecurities that are within me, but God still uses me in spite of them. In spite of them. It's not as if God says, Jesse, I want to use you. Invite that person from Salad Works right now. I know there's 30 people behind you that are angry and they want their salad, but invite that person, those two people, to salad work, from Salad Works to church. And I'm like, oh, God, it's going to be hard. People are pretty angry, and they look really frustrated. You know the people that are sloppy when they do it, and they get all the stuff everywhere, and they're like, oh, you know, pulling everything out. This person was not having a good day, and I was like, God, they look really pissed right now, and they probably aren't going to be happy. But I was like, hey, come to church. They're probably like, wheat or white pasta? What do you want? And so I was like... And then I'm talking to God in the line. I'm like, God, they have plastic gloves on. They're not going to want to take off their gloves to grab an invitation. Like, God, come on, you, you know better. Like, this is bad timing. And I found this conversation. I walked out, and I was so convicted, so convicted that I didn't invite. And we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. And I didn't invite these people. And I, felt, I literally heard the Spirit of God said, those two. And so we go to staff meeting, and I share this with the staff, trying to really be vulnerable. And um, my mother rebukes me in front of everyone, and it was awesome. And um, she goes, you know, you don't need to go to Africa to tell people about Jesus. You just can probably just go to Salad Works and tell people about Jesus. I was like, I needed that. And so when I went back this past week, I went and I saw them up at the front, and there was no one in line. And I'm like, it is on. And I started, like, walking faster, and I like, grabbed my invites, and I pulled them out, and I'm like, hey, you didn't invite you to church, bam. And then this, there was this sweet woman at the, at the cashier and she's sitting there and I was like, oh, you too, you too. You, you, you need to go to church. There's someone walking through the back door and said, yo, hey, 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 hey. You weren't, Jesus didn't tell me this, but you, you do need to come to church. And I was just started inviting all these people. And it was awesome because when I invited the one person, he looked at me and says, I really appreciate that. Here's a VIP, get one free salad. Um, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> Oh, Jesus help me. Some of you think that we have this all figured out and, and the truth is, is that the only thing I know is that I need Jesus more and more. And I just need him in, 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 in every aspect of my life. I've recognized my need of him and I think there is something required of us See, this is, this, is, this is God's honest truth. I could get up here and just have a go and preach and be real, you know, and, and, and make it look good. But this is what I know. I want you to recognize that, that you don't need to fake it until you make it. 
you don't need to kind of pretend you're someone that you're not. If you have insecurities, let's, let's believe that God can over, help us overcome them. If you have difficulties, let's pray that we can get over them. If we have barriers and issues, let's talk about them. Let's, let's bring everything to the cross. Let's, put, let's cover everything under the blood of Jesus. And let's continue to press forward in, in strength and humility before God. Amen? And, and I, I know that... that, that I, don't, I don't know, church. I, I suppose for me, as a pastor, like... I'm just not interested in church. When people say to me, oh, I, I am so religious, I almost want to vomit. <laughs> and it's not because I'm trying to be rude to them, it's just because I don't want that to be the statement from people in our church. I want them to say, I'm just so in love with Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. I love Jesus. And they say, well, yeah, well, what's your theological disposition on this issue? And do you believe once he's always saved? What about predestination? What about, listen, trust me, I, I continue to read and I won't stop reading and I continue to study, and education and study is imperative for us to carry what Christ has called us to carry. But I think the greatest thing He's called us to carry is the gift of salvation and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And if we can't carry that well, what does it matter if we carry other things? I think many denominations were so concerned with carrying specific doctrine, but we don't carry the gospel well in ourselves. And man, may we as a church carry that well. God, let us carry it well. Let us not pretend like we have it all together. Let us not pretend like we have it all figured out. But let us recognize that when we humble ourselves before you and we come with a pure heart before you, God, that you can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we ever asked or imagined. Do you know that Jesus said something so profound uh, to those who were around him? And he essentially described to them how he saw them. And, and I don't know if you ever thought of that before from this passage but Jesus essentially is saying to them like this is who you are this is who you are in a world that tells you you're defined by your sexuality and by your race and your ethnicity and your language and your education and your socioeconomic kind of status and all of those things Christ speaks and blasts through all the barriers and he says no 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 this is who you are this is who you are and I love how he says this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 he says you are the light of the world you're the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill, and it, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. He's, they're not seeing your good deeds and saying, wow, look how good you are. You know what they're saying? They're like, I know how screwed up they were. <laughs> and I see what God's doing in their life, and I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, I want some of it. It's like you're being the light of the world. I love how the message puts it. It says, here's another way to put it. You're, a, you're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. But opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. When I read that line in the message where it says, keep open house, I laughed the first time I read it because um, my wife and I are similar in ways. Like, I, I'm a bit OCD with things, and so, like, you know, I'm, whatever it's a gift and um and and i 
and I have to have things in a certain way when people come over because I just want things to be kept well. I'm, I like to be hospitable to people and we have some of the best hospitality in this church. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying the people who, who care for other people, it's not at, out of this, this oh obligation, I have to be hospitable. It's like, no, it's my heart on a platter. I'm serving you, I love you, I want things to be awesome. And, and I love that about this house. And, and, and so for me, I always have to have things perfect. And so when we invite people over, like, you know, we want things right. And so we don't just like say, whenever you want, just stop in. Because like to us, we discover, you know, maybe you're not that way, but we are. And um, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but when we were selling our house in Pittman a few years ago, and we had our house listed for sale for like a day, and we were having an open house the next day, but it actually sold, like before it actually went on the market, how good God was and worked it all out. Sort of like, hey, cancel the open house. So we canceled the open house, but apparently like people didn't realize like there were no balloons, there were no signs, there were nothing. And uh, just like my children always do, they were running around in, in their underwear. I think it was just uh, it was Harper and Avi who was maybe crawling at the time or whatever. And they were playing in their underwear. My wife and I were sitting on the sofa and this couple just opens the door and they just walk right in. Hey, I was like, oh my, God. <laughs> you know, who are you? You know, and they're like here for the open house. It's like, there is no open house. They're like, oh God, you know, and they were real embarrassed. And we're like, oh, we're talking, we're laughing, we're dying. We're laying on the ground laughing. This is hysterical. I'm literally on the floor laughing. And another couple walks in. Hi, is this the open house? I'm like, oh my. So my wife is so upset. She's embarrassed. She, you know, blah, blah, blah. The kids are in their underwear. I'm like, that's okay. That's normal. It's our home. They can be in, the, in their underwear. And, and then we look at each other. We're like, hey, let's lock the door, probably. And a few more couples came after that. But when I read that, I'm like, you know, that's the spirit Christ calls us to have. Open house to people. Why? Why have an open house? You only have an open house when you have something to show or to give someone. And if we're called to be the light of the world and to always have an open house, you know why? Because we're always called to be generous in all seasons. Generous with what? With what we've received. Let me ask you, what have you received from Christ? What have you received from Christ? We see it in monetary ways. Man, if you have resources to bless people, bless people. But man, if you have stories of past wounds that God has healed, Man, share them with people. Man, if you have stories of God's redeeming power in your marriage, share it with another couple. Man, if you have a redeeming story of how God healed you with addiction or drug abuse, man, share it with someone else who needs it. Man, God wants our lives to be an open house for people. Why? So that people can be in our business, though, so that we can represent Christ well. And my prayer is that as God continues to increase this house, that it not only increases in number, but it would increase in its vulnerability with one another. That it would increase with its authenticity with one another. That it would increase with its grace and its love towards one another. Its hospitality, its grace with one another. You know, there's gonna be seasons as we move forward that things will happen quick. There's been over four or five prophets who have come to this church from all around the globe and they've all had a similar word. None of them knew any, none of them knew each other. And in private and in public, every one of them has given me a specific word, word and there's, there's a commonality within all of it. And this was the common line in every prophetic word with these five and there's various others, but it was all this, God's going to move in a supernatural way. And when it happens, it will be very quick. Be very quick. My words to equip you is 
don't be leaning on your own understanding in seasons of movement. You'll fall. If you're leaning on your own wisdom or you're leaning on your own understanding, you won't last in life in general in your walk with God. In Proverbs, it says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's this process of saying, God, I know that if I lean on what I do know and on my own gifts and my own talents and my own wealth and my own skill set, God, I know that it's not going to last. And so as we enter into this new season, my prayer for you is that, man, you would grow in your walk with Jesus, that you would recognize the significance of the gift of salvation that maybe you have in Christ, and that you could recognize and say, this gospel message is personal to me. And it's so personal that I can declare before other people, no, this message, this gospel message, no, this is for my family. This is for my children. This is for my children's children. This is for my grandparents. This is for my coworkers. This is for my barber. This is for my, 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 my family who is far from God, whatever it may be, that this gospel message is for people in my world that are far from God. Can you say amen? Can you stand to your feet tonight? How many are grateful for God? Are you grateful for God and all that He's doing in your life? Mm. This is a really soft hanky. Thanks, Mike. It's really like you use a hanky. I just, I don't know. It's an inherited trait, I suppose. Um, is this stylish? Uh, <laughs> Um, I want to pray for you tonight that, um, that God will bless you in your season. Do you know the coolest thing is as we gather together, there's specific needs and things on, our, and on your heart represented through this entire group. And people are in all different seasons of life. And the cool thing is, is that God loves us so much that he's, he's so concerned about each one of you and your journey and your questions and your insecurities. And, and, and the things that cause you fear about the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. If I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and a hope. It sat over my toilet for like five years. <laughs> and I know it wasn't an accident that my mother put it there. She wanted me to know that, that God had a plan for my future. And the truth is, is God has a plan for your future as well. And, um, and I always thought it would, it's weird to say that to someone who's like 60, 75, 85. You know, the truth is, is that we all have a future until we're present with God. And God has a purpose for us in this season. And whether you are seven or 97, man, God has a call in your life if you're here to minister to people and to be on purpose for God, amen? Stretch your hands to heaven, let me pray. Father, we're so grateful that we're here tonight. God, I thank you that you don't want to just do ordinary things in our life, that you want to do the supernatural and the extraordinary things. And so, Father, as we gather tonight and we go our separate ways tonight, Father, may we recognize the thing that bind us together, and that's, our, that's you. We are sons and daughters. We are heirs to the throne. We are chosen. We are highly favored. We are set apart. We're called. And, Father, regardless of the season we may be in, Father, may your presence be evident to all of us. Father, whether we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys, may your presence be evident. Bless every marriage today, Father. Bless every business today. 
Father, may you begin to stir something in the hearts of people who have desires to do something for you. Father, may they not run in their own ambition. May they be patient and wait upon you. May they be patient to wait for the season to be right, for, for the timing to go. May they hear. May they be sensitive to your word. May they be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. May they use wisdom and the advice from the counselors and wise counsel around them. Father, I thank you for this season in the life of this church. Father, bless us so that we can bless other people. Father, speak to us so that we can speak to other people. May we carry your heart everywhere we go. In your precious and only name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you. Um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian, Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.